How are you now? Welcome to the Letter Candy Podcast. I'm your host, Arj, and this is episode 9. On this episode, Letter Candy Live goes south of the border. Cast members will be joining the Q&A panel at the ATX Television Festival. Now, thanks for joining us while we pay a little attention to our pothole. Welcome, everybody. This is the ninth episode of the Larry Kenny Podcast. You remember last episode I mentioned in the news that New Metric Media was looking to expand the brand of Letterkenny. Well, they've announced that Letterkenny Live will be doing shows in the U.S. They'll be doing two shows in New York, New York at the PlayStation Theater on June 20th, two shows on June 22nd in Minneapolis, Minnesota at the Pantages Theater, and on June 23rd, they'll be doing two shows in Chicago, Illinois at the Vic Theater. In Austin, Texas, they're having their annual ATX Television Festival from June 6th to 9th. And there will be a Letterkenny panel with Q&A session. In attendance will be Nathan Dales, Michelle Milet, and Kate Trevor Wilson. As well, Jacob Tierney and executive producer Mark Montefiore. If you're in the Austin area, check it out. I'll provide a link. Today's episode is titled Relationships. Originally aired December 25th, 2016, directed by Jacob Tierney, written by Jared Kiso and Jacob Tierney. We open with Wayne, Daryl, and Squirrely Dan playing a game of catch. They're discussing Dan's date night the night before. They're talking about the unavailability of malt vinegar, all-dressed chips, and ketchup chips in the U.S. The conversation takes a turn to intimacy hang-ups that the guys have, and although it isn't polite to kiss and tell, Derry doesn't like it when a girl kisses around his nether regions. Wayne's a little self-conscious about how clean his ears are. And Squirrely Dan was propositioned to have attentions paid to his... You know, it's impolite to kiss and tell, but if you've seen the memes and really watch the damn show, you know what I'm talking about. We have our opening credits. At the house, Katie is lighting a candle on a stack of cakes for Wayne. They're pancakes for breakfast. You don't fuck with tradition. At the breakfast table are Derry, Dan, Katie, and in Wayne's lap, his dog Gus. For his birthday present, the three of them got Wayne an appointment with a matchmaker. They all believe it's about time he's got back on the market and started dating after the whole Angie thing. Wayne's not too happy, but as Katie explains, he can't meet girls at Modine's because it burned down, or online because he won't do it, so this is the best option. Conversation somehow gets to Jive and Pete and his one nut. No, the other one. Katie, not impressed with another story about Pete and his nuts, tells Wayne, this matchmaker thing is efficient and just be ready that afternoon. Meanwhile, Jonesy and Riley are in the car outside the arena. They're discussing how they're going to be shit disturbers and just being a donkey all practice long. And then they think, you know what, might be a good practice after all. At the barn... Matchmaker is there explaining her service in the name of the company, Goldilocks and the Three Dates. And it's enough to turn Wayne off. But she's sitting there on a straw bale, and she asks Wayne a series of questions. All of which, according to Wayne, quite inappropriate. Talking about yourself, past relations, how much you make. And Katie basically answers for him. Trucks and smokes, break up no baggage, and he's no slouch for money. Wayne leaves irritated. Derry, Dan, and Wayne are back outside playing catch 
when Derry and Dan are giving Wayne a good goldy hard time about his meeting. Just then, Stuart, still staying at the house, walks out and asks if Katie has said anything about him not talking to her. When Wayne can confirm, he says his plan is working. To clarify, Dan says he's upset with her communications, and he communicates this by not communicating. Wayne says Stuart has spare parts, and as he walks away, hucks the ball at him, hitting him right in the back. Stuart yelps like a little injured puppy. We move to Wayne and his first date, Kim. She's a psychologist, she's a feminist, and she will be picking up the bill. All before they sit down. The waitress comes over. It's Glenn. And they need a moment on to decide on drinks. When Glenn leaves, she starts analyzing Wayne's crossing arms and comments out loud in the third person. After the psychology analysis, she asks Wayne about his views on feminism. Wayne ends that abruptly with, you're not supposed to talk about sex, religion, or politics at the supper table. They start discussing whether the establishment they're in is a resto bar, a gastro pub, a micro bistro, a brasserie, a gastro lounge. Whatever. It's a place to eat. Fuck. Kim mentions the emergency call for first dates. She says she's going to cancel it. And when she's back, they're going to talk about their feelings. Wayne's not impressed, calls the matchmaker and says, this one's too hard. We cut to outside where Stuart approaches the skids and talks to Devin. Rolled moves in as his backup. They drop their weapons, EpiPens, and all he wants to know is, is Katie talk to them? When Devin asks if they're having trouble, Stuart says she wouldn't know as they're not talking. Devin smiles and understands the skid mentality of non-talking communication. They talk about gaming the taxi shift, 4 a.m. to 4 p.m., banker's hours, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m., 5 to 7, which they repeat in French for some reason. His tone softens, and Stuart asks if they want to hit up a happy hour. Rold moves forward, but Devin holds him back. They're going to a different happy hour. As Stuart turns and leaves, Devin takes a soccer ball and throws it at Stuart, who yelps again, like an injured animal. We move to Super, Soup, Super Scoops Ice Cream in Upcountry for date number two with Lisa. She's a preschool principal, knows everybody loves kids, uses gentler terms as a policy. As she's explaining her progressive and positive policy in issuing hug consent forms, Wayne asks if they ever hit kids for being too silly. Lisa explains that that form of Punishment is long outdated. When Wayne presses her for saying, don't you think you could wish you could still hit him? Her phone starts buzzing and it's an emergency, cutting the date short. When she leaves, Wayne again calls the matchmaker who says, this one's too soft. At the house, Stuart walks out on the porch where Katie is smoking and starts just sighing loudly. Dan and Derry are throwing the ball around when Katie asks what's wrong. He explains it's a silent treatment. As he's breaking down his thought process step by step, Katie starts toying with him. She explains he could have just come and talked to her. Fed up, Katie tells Stuart it's about time for him to leave the house. No one has time for the silent treatment, not even in Letterkenny. 
She goes into the house, leaving him there. As he walks away, Daryl throws the ball at Stuart, hits him square in the back. Meeting his breaking point, Stuart just lies on the ground crying. This one's kind of hard to watch. So pathetic. And we're outside the Star Tavern for date number three with Angie. Angie, what the fuck? She walks over, says the right things, and wants to talk to Wayne in his truck. We cut to the produce stand where Wayne declares that this was just right. They ask about toe curling, a.k.a. a little stank on the hangdown, a little taking out the train, a bit of hizzing in the skizzing, going to the boneyard, a little bacon making, a little shots twixt wind and water. I never heard that one. Building the blanket monster, a pituitary poke, making a beast with two backs, making feet for children's stockings. I haven't heard that one either. Testing the tube stake, crawling up the skin slide. When Daryl says a little, yes, 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 which causes them to have a conversation about who says that other than in a porno. And further, the way Derry said it isn't the way it's done in pornos. Wayne demonstrates, and Derry tries to replicate. Wayne gives a couple pointers. Kitty gives some examples. Kitty also doesn't like how the porno guys say, oh, fuck, in a super low tone. Squirrely Dance takes offense. We end the scene with Wayne, Daryl, Dan, and Katie all doing their porno voices. Kind of cool if you're into that sort of thing. We cut to Riley and Jonesy. It's now after practice. Talking about all the donking around they did in practice. And how much they liked it. Stuart approaches the skids where he's dressed all in black. And him and Devin have a dance-off. When Devin cramps up, Stuart is welcomed back into the skid group. Roll credits. Couple of notes on this episode. This is the first appearance of The Matchmaker, played by Emma Hunter. You've seen her on TV for The Beaverton, Working Moms, and Mr. D. Kim, played by Kelly Bogle. On TV, you might have seen her on Carter, Hard Rock Medical, and The Intruders. Lisa, played by Kelsey Rule. On TV, she was also in Carter, the, the movie The Captive, and Algonquin. And then there's Angie. I believe it's her first appearance, also played by Kalinka Petri. On TV, you've seen her on District 31, Killjoys, The Listener, and Being Human. The music of this episode. Kim's entrance music is Take It Too Fantastic by Cannonball Jane. Lisa's entrance music, Never Forever, by Dead Soft. Angie's entrance music is Blue Gowns by Blue Hawaii.
And the final skid dance-off is Raptor by Rusty. When Squirrely Dan refers to the six different types of Captain Crunch, it's a bit by the actor himself, uh, K. Trevor Wilson, on the Just for Last uh, comedy, or the French version that he refers to, Juste pour rire. When they're talking about Jivin Pete's nuts, they use uh, two fruits. One's a, a rambutan, which is actually a tree, and the name of the tree and the fruit it produces. It's native to Indonesia and uh, Southeast Asia regions. A persimmon is also a traditionally South Asian fruit as well. How these two guys ended up with these two exotic fruits is beyond me, although they are farmers. The dog is Gus, and is Jared Kiso's own dog. The opening story of Squirrely Dan and his butthole. People in real life have been messaging K. Trevor Wilson's girlfriend and asking her if she's the one giving him attention to his butthole. The fuck is wrong with these people? You guys are aware that the actor is different from the character, right? Give your fucking balls a tug. Leave the guy alone. Especially his girlfriend. She has nothing to do with this. Emma Hunter and K. Trevor Wilson grew up in the same neighborhood in Etobicoke, Ontario. It's the western part of Toronto. The waitress, Glenn, never refers to any of Wayne's dates by their actual names. Evan Stern can legit break dance. You've seen him before, but it was showcased here. Uh, Alexander DeJordi was ranked number one when he was 16 years old for junior tennis. Verda. And K. Trevor Wilson was the Platform Tennis Men's Double Championship. My favorite dialogue or scene. To me, the best part of this episode is the cold open. Eh, with a few reservations. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's super funny. I like how we're all just having a fun game of catch talking about dates and such. Appropriately, Squirrelly Dan throws him a curveball talking about his date's unfamiliar suggestions. Well, not to be impolite, but this gal suggested that maybe I should have some attentions paid to my butt's hole. That ever, ever happened to you guys? You ever have a gal suggest that you need some attentions paid to your butts holes. I, I take that as a hard no, I guess. She put a couple fingers up there and turns out you got a, a neurogenous zone up there. Found found the hot button and gave it a tickle and uh Yeah, feels uh it feels pretty good, you guys, okay? I like how uncomfortable it makes Wayne and Derry, to the point where they totally ignore Dan and continue playing catch between themselves. But like you heard in the notes, people are taking this joke about the butts hole a little too far. But it's also progressive. I mean, this is a comedy show about small town farming, and here's a big burly lad talking about stuff you wouldn't normally expect. It's funny and relevant at the same time. And some of the better stories. My thoughts on this episode. I like the different tone of this episode. I mean, we get the three-part Goldie dates, each with a different feel to it. The awkwardness of the cold open kind of sets a tone for the episode. It's interesting to see how some of these, there's also some common themes in the show. Uh, we get the 
orthodox cold open from the matchmaker and her unorthodox dating system. We get Wayne getting back together with Angie, as well as Stuart getting back in with the skids. There's a little theme run in there. Anyways, that's our show. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and rate this episode wherever you get your podcast. Technical Productions by R. Shoveliwala, that's me. Intro to music is Who Needs a Girl Like You by Indian Wars. You can reach me on Twitter at LetterkennyPod, Facebook, LetterkennyPod as well. You can get our links at letterkennypodcast.com. And you can send feedback or comments to letterkittypodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, thanks for listening. He crosses his arms. Are you aware of the psychology behind that? Uh, when you say he, you're talking about me, right? He has wit. Do you know why you cross your arms? Feels like you're talking to two people right now. Crossing your arms, whether it be consciously or subconsciously, is a sign of defense. You're protecting your vital organs. Do you feel threatened by me? Well, I don't, but the other guy might. 